wanted to tell you I want to go through this whole self-inquiry with you right now like just to walk together and for us to check in and see so then I can be able to fully see what it is that I am because something what have you seen so far the the from the question can the perceiver be perceived the only st as far as I've have come is the fact that I cannot see the seer yeah. and ever since then why Because it's not there, or why? Why cannot you see this here, the perceiver? Because it's because it's not it's, it's not there, or you know that uh, even the the attempt also to perceive the perceiver is also perceived, isn't it? Even the attempt to try and find the perceiver also is perceived, isn't it? By what is it perceived? What we know what is the facts here? What can we what can we determine as or the facts in in this? That when the question is put can the perceiver, because what we have established is that all the evidence of perception, we are saying, yes, this is perceived, I can perceive this, I can perceive that. Everything that is accepted in my world as a knowledge to me and experience is what I have accepted, what I have experienced, what I have seen, what I have embraced. Then I ask the question, who is this I? Because without it, we cannot speak about what it perceives. Because unless the question comes, something says, but I see this, I understand this, I tried that, that didn't work, I accept this, I, I, I. So be behind every act of perception or experience or something, necessarily something says, it was my experience, I experienced this. You know, I see this, I understand this. So the question, what is I? Can I also, who is perceiving and understanding, can I be understood? Can it be perceived? Why is this question? To see if the I itself is an object. Because I reports, I see everything. And the fact that I see everything, my perceiving of them turns them into perceivable objects. So, including in the world of uh, perceivable objects, is feelings also, I would include. Because feelings also are perceived. Imagination, time, space, relationship, memory, the play of intellect, the sense of space, of relationship, of change, all these things, they are perceived. Who say they perceive? The eye says it first they perceive, they, they are perceived. Okay, so all these, the eye perceives. Then the question, what is the I? Can it also be perceived? This is a question. And it is a natural, logical um, evolution of the questioning. That if we ask, all these things can be seen, by whom are they seen? They are seen by something that arises in here that says, I see them. That feels natural. I see them. 
who is I? We want to find out who is I. We see, we know what I perceive. This we know. But who is the I who perceive? We want to know. Who is the I that perceive? Can it be known? Does the I who perceive, is it an individual, first of all? Can the ultimate perceiver of all things be I the individual? I the individual perceive all things. Then what perceive I the individual? Don't worry, it's not an unending riddle, but something is mellowing down now. We don't have far to go, we don't have room to go. I am the perceiver. What perceives what perceives I? What is I who is a perceiver? Does it have a shape or a quality? Is it a man or a woman? Does it have a religion? Does it have a standpoint, a perspective, this I? Meaning, is it a unique I in a world of millions of eyes? Then it has to be admitted, well, all the all the eyes together are perceived. And the one who perceive all the eyes together, can this be perceived? Why this question? To see if the original I that perceive, if it is also a quality, if it, it itself is an object. When we come to this part of the inquiry, your answers cannot be philosophical. They cannot be mental. They must now turn into experience. You follow? Other answers we can talk, you know, who is seeing that? Yes, there is a seeing of this. There's memories, there's feelings. Now feelings are coming, thoughts are coming. We can comment like this, because we call those objects of perception. Now, who is the subject of the perceiving? Can that also be perceived? If it can be perceived, then suddenly it becomes also an object of perception. Isn't it? So, this, the answer, the answer, I am not determining. You have determined. You have to determine the answer. You see, we have to do find out: Does the answer exist as a solid answer, or is the answer determined? Do you follow? Either that the answer exists, like it's a cold fact. The answer is this. If the answer is this, who is pleased with the answer? Also, who perceives the answer? Also, what perceives the answer? Also? Why is this persistence in the question? Because if it is not found, one is left with a state of frustration. You know, it's like, I don't get it. So who is this I who doesn't get it? Can the I who doesn't get it be caught? And then when examined, this I who doesn't get it and feels frustrated turns out to be only made of thought and feeling. Thought and feeling have formed the shape of an entity who says, I don't get it, I don't get it. Yeah. What perceives this thought and feeling an alleged person or personality entity? What is perceiving? Then I say, experience will answer this question. What is your experience? Something keeps arising here as I, like a pulse, I, I. But when looked for, it cannot be found phenomenally. It cannot be found phenomenally. It has to be given a kind of title. Why? Because there is a question. 
and the question begs for an answer. And an answer has to be something that can be comprehended. Ultimately, the one who is asking the question has to be determined what it is. It has to be discovered what is this. And what happens is, as the question comes to the final asking, it totally evaporates. It evaporates because the one who is trying to find cannot be found. It cannot be found phenomenally. It cannot be found phenomenally. What happens then? The sense I is there, but it is not phenomenal. It is not phenomenal. When that answer is understood and felt inside the heart, then a great peace must come. Because all the life we are conceiving of ourselves as a phenomenon. Even when you read that you are non-phenomenal, you hear this on the basis of an assumed phenomenon. We can't get out of the feeling that I am me and I am this. So what is this? And then you start to put a lot of words in that place. I am this, I am that. I said, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. That which is speaking, is that the same thing as that which is? You can say yes and you can say no. Who followed my point? You experience for the first time that you are not an object. We have always been clinging to the body, various bodies, as a support for ourselves. This is me, I'm the one talking, I'm over here, you're over there. This is from the bodily perspective. But when examined, if that which arises as I has a body or is a body, it is found that it is not a body. It is not a body. It is not a characteristics even. It is experienced. The answer is experienced. The answer is not imagined. It is a conclusive experientially that I am not an object, but I appear inside the object of this body. Now, whether you embrace this as a kind of an understanding that says, OK, now I know. Who are you who knows? You see, I am never going to be pleased with the verbal response of an answer. But I may appear to be pleased when a verbal expression of the answer comes, but it's not because it is verbal. It's because it has the energy of truth in it. Different people or different bodies out of different mouths, the same answer can come, but in some instances that answer is rejected as false. Yet the same words come out of another instrument and it is accepted as true. Why? Because the answer is not merely an intellectual answer. The answer must come from the energy of seeing. And when the energy of seeing is present with the, with the verbal and the oral exp 
explanation of answers, something tallies up together and it feels yes. My my yes is not in response to your verbal answer, but to your intuitive seeing, which communicates to me energetically that your fragrance as words and your fragrance as presence are one. This is this is what I've been asking you. People have been putting up answers. Yes, yes, it's this. Oh no, no, I think it's this. No, no, it is this. No, it is not that. That is just the noise of the mind. Something happens, you see. When I told you sometimes you were sitting here, and sometimes we are sitting here, and then I see we are eating, and little pockets, little pockets of conversations begin. And then I feel a bit disturbed. I says, "No, no, no. You know, there's too much noise here. Be in the bigger listening." Now, some people, I'm careful not to say this. Especially to sometimes newcomers, because they sometimes think, "Oh, Muji so fussy. Muji so fussy. He doesn't like talking at the table." But it's not talking at the table. It's unawareness that disturbs me. You understand? I can be in India many times in India, and people, blah, 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 and I feel very happy about this. <laughs> but here, somehow. There's too much psychology in the Western presence. There's too much psychological noise, and very easy. We are so much. We have the assistance of so much help to find a spirit. We have Google. We have this. We have books. We have so many things. Facebook. Everybody's sharing some, but still nobody smells like it. Not yet. Because we still have the sense that you can get it here. And that you've studied and you learn, you can put the answer, and it's not university. You must be the answer when you and your answers are the same. Then peace prevailed there. So when I was talking before that we are sitting, little comments of little pox conversation becomes a kind of why is it? Is it the talking? It's not just the talking, it's the unawareness. It's because you're still being a little person in your little world. And so I was calling people, please just be in the bigger listening. When you're in the bigger listening, you're not personal anymore. So somehow it's like my listening is so open that when we are talking to you, I can hear the crickets and I can hear the birds, I can feel the wind, I can sense the, the temperature, I can feel love, I can feel all of these things is in my listening. But maybe in your listening, you say, So are you going tomorrow? What time are you going? For me, that's a noise. It's like it's a noise. Why am I using this example right now? Is because when I ask you also about this question, you think that the question is satisfied by mental answer. But if you're in your energetic field, you will sense when the answer is true, when something is true. As yet, we have not made that switch. We are still functioning like. It's an oral, verbal, sensual thing. 
like it is in the material senses, it's in the biological senses. No, it's in the spiritual senses. It is something like this. And I'm feeling like we should be in this by now. We should be in this by now. But very often I feel that somehow we are still preserving persons rather than being awake as presence. Sometimes I see inside and I say, There's too many people in the room. And everybody starts to leave. I said, No, no, it's not it's not the bodies. So there's too many people in the room. I want presence in the room, not people. Because wherever there's people, there's a noise, there's conflict. There's you and she said it to me. Here we go and there's all this all these rat noises. And I think we don't get it yet. Not functioning from emptiness. You turn emptiness into a concept. You turn emptiness into spirituality. I'm not interested in spirituality. Only truth. Spirituality is another concept when you want to be a practitioner. You see? So it's just these things. You ask me to put, can I put the inquiry? in such a way that you can validate it today, confirm, verify it today. I like your approach. I like that you ask like that. Because every time I sit with you, my intention is, we get it today. And then tomorrow, yes, Muji, can I talk to you tomorrow? So why tomorrow? Why not now? Why can't we see God now? Because God is not hiding. Why can't you see God now? Why can't you realize yourself now? Why is tomorrow a better day? When you are always the Self. One, not to trust. There is no belief that maybe they are still operating inside. There is not quite the belief that this is possible for you. This is why I want from amongst us, one of us rise, one of us flower, burst open into this understanding. Because the others, sometimes they look and say, oh, maybe Muji is special, you know, and he's trying to make us think that we are just the same. Well, actually, we are the same. So when somebody opens up, blossoms, you know, they put themselves, oh, bloody hell. I was just sitting with him. You see? That's what they said also about Jesus also. How can he be so wise? I know his parents, he's a bloody carpenter. <laughs> yes. A carpenter can't get it. <laughs> Should he be a brain surgeon or something? They said this in the Bible, I can find it and tell you. You know? I know his parents, he just don't know who is he to talk like that. Therefore he says also. Only amongst his people, his own people, is a prophet without honor. What it means? Uh, when you become familiar, and people think you're familiar, and you think it's so great because you want approval, you want to be accepted, and you know why you're accepted? They accept you are one of us. You're as stupid as me, basically. I accept you. You're just like me. You know? Okay? You want to be a Christ? Ha! Huh, you! You could never be that, because you're just like me, and I'm not that. 
That's the friendships that we're running after in this world. That familiarity too much, you see, it blocks real seeing and real respect. Because the ones mostly are in ignorance and they don't, they don't, they start to compete. They'd rather see someone from another country, another land, to be free, than his neighbor. Because when the neighbor is free, it's like, why don't, why didn't I get it? I can't accept that you can get it. I'd rather somebody distant, somebody foreign can get it. But from your own country to get it, it's like, how dare you? Who do you think you are? This is the, the psyche of the ego. This is why I tell you, don't run after worldly friendships. I saw many times in India also, it is your own Guru Bhai, meaning that the same people who are sitting in the same Guru, under the feet of the same Master, they are the ones who are the most jealous of each other. Mm. They don't want you to go ahead, because you go ahead where you know it's like you know it's like what well, I did, and they will do this. Sometimes not everybody, a true one would not do that. The answer is not going to come in the traditional form of an answer. It will not do. There will mostly be just concepts and words. And we still think that we can get it right as concepts. Like it will be enough. It cannot be enough. It's the right answer. But it's coming from the wrong place. And it's not always that you have to be so intense about it. Oh, I gotta get it, man. I gotta get it. I gotta get it. I gotta get it, man. So no, no, you're too intense. Relax. Maybe let go. Relax. Take off the heat. Be empty. Don't wait. Because waiting is another, is another kind of vibration again. It makes anxiety, frustration. The most effective thing is to be open and trust what your teacher tells you. If you feel it in your heart, trust it, you know, and understand. The pointing is good enough. The pointing is clear enough. Even to say, I understand something intellectually, is what you learnt to say. You must understand something, or you don't understand it. Then the mind makes another category. I understand it intellectually. <laughs> you see, this category is not true. It means I understand it, but which means you don't understand it. We see, we inquire. I can only see what I am not. Yes, you cannot see with the same eyes that you see what you are not. You cannot see what you are, because to see what you are, you have to become something. If you insist, and if you have strong enough powers of imagination, you'll produce something to see. Mm -hmm. 
but it won't be that. Supposing you had an operation and you were under anesthetic and then somehow you're coming out of you're coming out of this state, coming back to normal consciousness. But then you come to a certain phase where you have the sense of being awake, but you cannot see anything. There's movement, but you cannot see anything. There's nothing to see, there's nothing to smell or taste. There's no scent, there's no objects, nothing. It's almost as though something is floating. Even then, there's no mirror, nothing. You will intuitively know you are. But in that moment, you may panic, and your panic may cover up that rest in knowing. But I am. That is the starting point of perception. I am. I can't see anything. I cannot feel anything. You start to report from the senses. I cannot see anything. I cannot feel anything. I cannot taste anything. I cannot touch anything. I cannot hear anything. Senses. You see? Maybe I cannot think anything. Something is there to know. These are absent. But that is here to witness the absence of them. And you are to be in that. I can see what I am not, you say. This is the correct scene. In some schools they tell you like this to show, yes, I cannot say I cannot affirm the positive. I can only negate. I can only see and say what I am not. I cannot say what I am. But out of our schooled <coughs> and conditioned mind, we expect to find a solid answer. But you are not solid. Not in that way. Because even space has a kind of quality. It has the quality of space. Something is aware of space. What quality does the Absolute possess that it can be recognized? Therefore, I say, in, in a way, by recognizing what you are not, you come intuitively to sense what you are, not phenomenally. That power is also there. It is not a mental thing. Maybe you have to come to a state where you feel, I am nothing, and that is the greatest something there is. How does it manifest in, in the, as life existence? My body is here, senses are functioning, uh, the state of the body's health, the temperature, the time, sense of other beings with their unique fragrances and personalities, all of this is perceived. But whenever the question arises here, and very often it arises just spontaneously, who sees this? Who am I? You see? It's like 
There's nothing to be identified here. There's no person to be found. There's the the fragrance of presence, but that is also found. I don't know if anybody has been able to convey this. I don't think the Buddha or Prophet Muhammad or Shankara or Krishna or Rama or any of these great saints or sages. I don't think by words we can convey. You can convey this thing. Maybe in the field of pure perceiving and receptivity, your receptivity may enable a sage to express it. Because in the true way, that will only speak when that is there to listen. It will only go as refined as there is the capacity to comprehend its refinement. I wonder if you follow that. The self will not uh, waste any part of its expression. This is why the more refined and subtle the company becomes, the subtle the Sangha becomes, the more beautiful the teaching is unfolding. You see? Because the self is not here just to demonstrate its greatness. To whom? It is totally pragmatic. It's assisting itself in the form of consciousness and the mind to somehow become so refined that there is no duality left. So as there is that receptive presence, to that extent will the consciousness unveil its beauty. Should a, should a devotee ask, what is your ultimate teaching? Only then will the Master know whether he will answer this question or not. Are you in the position now to be the ultimate student? Maybe tomorrow you won't be. Maybe you'll be the ultimate student only for a moment, enough for God to put His needle in you. You understand? There is no such thing as the ultimate student, ultimate student all the time. Well, in a way you can say. Because at a certain point, the the presence is so refined it doesn't fluctuate mm-hmm. so any time of day you're you're open for the business of truth any time it's like oh i'm having a bit of a bad day no don't speak to me about the truth today mm-hmm. no at any time somehow it is it is able mm-hmm. because there are masters in the deathbed <gasps> somebody asked master what is pardon <laughs> I think he wants milk. <laughs> He's trying to say something. Maybe the last breath he's telling you. Pardon? What is he saying? I think he wants some tobacco. <laughs> He's telling you, it's you, it's you. And yet, somehow, for other things, there will be no power, no interest. 
or other subjects not interested there. They'll be seemingly very naive very often, some some sages and so on. They may seem completely naive, but maybe just disinterested. They don't know nothing, there's no way of what is it? What is this thing? Towards the world, they are just an ignoramus, but towards the spirit, they are giants. They have no interest in about, uh, you know, the the things that we seem to so easily catch our attention. How will one know who is the one who is most imbibing what is being said, who is disappearing uh, through your presence? You know. That is a sort of space in you. It's not something quantifiable like it's this much. It's just it 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 manifests as an attraction. It manifests as an attraction. The more empty you are of a person, the more attractive you are from you in the term spirituality or spiritually. Means that the company is good. And this is what satsang is also the company. The best company in the world is called satsang, to associate with the truth, because by nature, sentient beings want to associate with something, not a person or some ideology or philosophy, a belief system, a place, a thing, uh, like that. So, of all associations, he says to associate with the truth. That is called satsang. To be in the presence in the company of. Uh, Wisdom, and somehow to absorb, and to be absorbed in, to merge in that, to be one with, so that there is just the totality. You can say like that. But we don't have to express so many words. Don't be over interested in that. Rather than study, 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 disappear, disappear, disappear. Because, quite frankly, a lot of knowledge, when expressed, is very tiresome. Some people think that the more eloquent they can be in talking about these things, the more kind of spiritual. But it's actually very tiring. The truth has to be served in a very pragmatic way, like it's very practical. Like now, okay, what about now? Where are you now? Take a look and see. How can you be that? You are watching that. So let's not discuss that any further, because if it's clear to you that is something that is being seen, leave it now. Now what is left? So immediately you are being pushed on. You don't give no. There's no breathing space being offered to your mind too much. You must come back to that place. The mind is running out of oxygen. Something has to give. If you say, I'm giving myself six months to get it, I'm leave everything for six months, then it will take at least six months. <laughs> because you've already set an agenda, you've already said to your mind, you got six months. You see, you have to just come like it's today. You sign up for the retreat, it's going to be a six, seven day retreat, be willing to get it on the first day. 
If you get it on the first day, huh? Then I give you a refund if you want. Okay? You don't have to say, okay, I'm gonna do the seven day because I paid for seven days. I prefer you don't do this. If you can get it on the first day, get it on the first day. Then give your space to somebody else, isn't it? And I'm totally serious about it. Because I know this attitude, how easily the mind becomes fraudulent and cunning and cheat, you cheat, something cheats, you know. And we've been in this black market business for a long time. Yeah, for my business, not now, it's never. Yeah. Yes. I encourage that example about being in the bigger listening. And whatever you learn here in Sahaja, I take it to be universal. If you learn it and something universal is better anything you learn from university, I'm gonna tell you this. For life. For life, if you want to call it like that. But don't have any ambition in life. Would be best. I would tell my most intimate student, don't hold any ambition for life. Just melt into the self and your life will be beautiful. Understand? Because I cannot speak against life. I am life also. You see? But don't have any ambition for life. Don't even have any ambition for the self. Just keep vanishing. And you find your life is not to be waited for. It is it is now. It is every moment, you see. You don't even want to go to bed. Yeah? But sleep is nice, waking is nice, dreaming is nice, everything is okay. Everything is okay. Why not experience life like God experienced life? Why not experience life like a Buddha? Why experience life only like a buddhi? Why not experience life like the Buddha? Hmm? Oh, I'm having a bad day today. You know, I don't feel very Buddha-like today. No, no, this is just a very bad training, very bad habit. Not oh, I'm enjoying life. I'm not enjoying. What it is? The small things. Why do we speak about that? If you say, Oh, today I'm having a wonderful day, it means tomorrow you're going to have a terrible day. (laughs) Why be evaluating? Why create wonderful days? Just be. It's all just as it is. It is beautiful as it is. But something you want to say, Yeah, yesterday, oh, hot. (laughs) Then you create like this. You create these. In a way, you hype up the. The play of duality. You intensify the play of duality. This is how we create like that. Supremely happy because you have no future. Supremely blissful because you want nothing. Supremely present, 
because you have no past. But sometimes we hear this like it's a kind of strangeness. You become a very strange person. You have no past. You have no future. <laughs> you have no future. You know. Yeah. You know why it's strange? Because you talk about it. If you don't talk about it, nobody needs to know. You can go. You can go and work in the stock exchange. Inside, total serenity, peace. You're totally cooked. Outside, and you may find yourself doing that, and just my God, how wonderful it is! You may find yourself arguing with someone, but inside, full of love. Inside, completely empty. You don't have to be passionate on the outside, passionate on the inside. Inside, totally empty and serene. But yet, this argument is destined to be. <laughs> if I say, no, no, you, you, you got what well, no, no. but inside empty. Have you noticed or not? <laughs> yeah. I'll show you the way that to recognize here, to be empty of person. The sense of the person is is just a ghost, it's an apparition in fact. But it's like the whole world has become a ghost story. Just a ghost story. I think if there was any sage um, and they wanted to have the highest response to their teaching or something, then it would have to be to get you to the place beyond your mind. And not beyond in any kind of spatial way. Because what we are referring to as beyond is that which is it has no other space to be than to be here. Everything else is a visitor. Everything else is a visitor. Even the state of presence is a visitor. <coughs> Even the state of presence is a visitor, but that is not a visitor. It cannot depart, it cannot arrive. Even to say it reveals itself is only inside our language. We are like somehow. like a face drawn in the sand. It is there, but the sand knows nothing about it. You can draw a picture as a Picasso or a Michelangelo in the sand, but it loses no grains. It doesn't increase in any grains. It does not know. It doesn't remember you. The one who draws, the, the stick that's used to draw, the drawing itself, and the perceiving of it, and the material, it's all one thing. 
we are that one thing. But it's not easy to say like that. It's not easy. Sometimes uh, you struggle to find an opportunity, a place in all of this existence where this statement, this statement can be said. Where those words can just find a space to be said and to be heard. In all this vast universe, there is very little any room for these words to find a place to be said and to be heard. There is a lot of space for a lot of words, useless, trivial words, have place, have room, mansions of space. But to find a space to bring these words into manifestation and to for them to be what they are meant to be is very difficult. Because the consciousness will not produce them if there is no not one to hear them. And yet at the same time some words are spoken for generations to come to understand. And the present generation who are present in the actual time of their saying miss them. This is why I was telling you that perhaps the greatest disciple of Jesus has not yet been born, maybe. Who knows? I am just being provocative. It may not be one of the twelve. It may not be Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Thomas, any of these Bartholomew, none of them. They may have been good, but maybe the greatest was not there in the actual time of the body of Christ. But the words and the spirits will produce one. Meaning the purest who is somehow evaporated in the presence of these teachings and pointing. Not argued, not even taught, just vanished inside that understanding. And there may have been thousands. There may have been thousands already. So that means empty is not like empty? I can't explain. Who can test emptiness? Who can discern whether the emptiness is imagined, actual, desired, intellectual? And who can assess? No, hmm, anyone who can attain emptiness cannot be anybody who attained emptiness. It must be absence of somebody. Or somebodyness, you can say. Maybe these are just too much. Saying this is too much. <clears throat> anyway, the whole thing is suspect. Anyway, to try and gauge how much empty you are. <laughs> <coughs> Or someone else's. 
what you can say is somehow automatically compulsively compellingly you are pulled into their presence we heard the story of people like uh, rumi and shams of tabris the impact of meeting a being who can gauge what happened in rumi what is the impact of shams we can read on the books and so on but can you can you feel that the impact of that uh, presence for him totally unexpected anyway we are not strangers to falling in love To like just and like, I don't want to somehow just. <laughs> I don't want to just uh, waste. Um, have you been wasting? I have wasted time instead of coming to you and just checking in and come on, let's let's check in together. I feel. Look, I can see this. I don't know what this is going on. Okay, like you know, having this type of thing, and yeah, and but you asked me a question. I gave a perfect example as much as I could. I feel that it is um, as you somehow um, um, you say something like there's there is there different temperatures of emptiness maybe I didn't say it like this but I'm using it no? are there different temperatures hierarchies of emptiness I'm saying this now Once it has been sensed from the direction that you've been given, you see. Then you're not supposed to pay attention to feelings and say, Yeah, but I really felt I really felt like I really got it then and it was really don't go to that place. Because it's not a feeling. Sometimes in some circles I found myself saying, It's like a feelingless feeling. It's a very subtle thing to say that, but even that is not quite true. <sighs> then you may say, but is it totally abstract then? Is, do we have some kind of abstract emotion that alone can reach there? And I said, I don't want to put it in such a distance even. There's no distance. So I hope this is of some benefit talking like this. Hmm? Is it of anything to talk like this? Yeah. 
sometimes we have to talk like this because I know the different channels that the mind go in, and we have to go there and pull it by the legs out. <laughs> you understand? Because otherwise it just feels like I say something and then you have a lot of things saved up, you know, you have a little, little doggy bag of things saved up. And I said, we're not going to get anywhere, you know, with you having sitting on your doggy bag. You understand? You have to really kind of just put everything off on the table. So sometimes we speak and say, there's these little, little subtleties in the mind that you we're not speaking about. So let's speak about them, you know, because you slipped off into another place, and I don't know why it came like this. You see. What do you mean by feeling of oneness? Is it more powerful than the duality? Does it fluctuate? You want to use the word embracing? No. The fact is, no matter how strong um, the thoughts are virile, they may appear to be, they absolutely have no impact on that. So, I like to see whether you can confirm this or not, so we can clear it up once and for all. So you don't say, "Yeah, the, no- the mind is so strong now, I can't really feel the pressure." Because this is nonsense, actually. Mm-hmm. The very fact that the mind is, appears to be strong has no relationship to do with mm-hmm. awareness. You know, like it's too strong for awareness. That's not true. This is all nonsense. You see, the very fact that you can speak is already evidence that your speaking arises in awareness without which you cannot even have the knowledge of or the perception or perceive the appearance of anything yeah you see it's it's okay for the moment to speak like that but you're on very fickle ground when you speak like that that's why I want to speak yeah because the oneness is not the oneness, if you want to call it oneness or wholeness or totality or isness or whatever, mm-hmm. does not have moments of strengths mm-hmm. or weaknesses. Mm-hmm. You see, yes, it, it yes. is no reading, is there? Is mm-hmm. our mind like this type of notions of, you know, now I can feel it powerfully and this type of thing? But I would really discourage too much of that. It is so pure, it's immeasurable, nothing can impact upon it. It cannot get sick, it cannot grow old. It cannot have experience of transcendence, it's not successful or a failure. It's not a heaven or hell, no no, no angels, no demons. It is so so immaculately pure. It's the purest base for all religions. There's no sectarianism in it. No hierarchy. It's the, it is the ultimate. It is so totally pure. You see, 
and it gives love to love. It makes that it everything takes their flavor from this somehow, but nobody knows how. Even the somebodies who are appearing in it, they're only appearing in it. They're not. They cannot command it. They cannot possess it. If you begin to understand this, you see how faulty language has become. You understand? If you begin to understand properly and, and open up to, to, to real insight and wisdom, you will see how much language and conditioning, not just language, but culture also, you see, how it betrays the truth. How much you know we use words which are not true and sentences and and ways and styles of speaking and expression which are deviations from the truth. You see how culture and language has hijacked the truth, you know, in a way, if you can say like that, but creates a field of destruction and distortion. But then after you've you've using you only see like this because somehow you're cleaning yourself. But when you come out of that, you have no resentment towards the world or language. You know, there's also consciousness doing this. So it's it's really a marvelous thing because, in spite of seeing all of these things, you have no resentment at all about it. You just see how thick the Maya is, in some way. And without Maya, there's no experience. There's no Maya is also beautiful. that is pure awareness I am of the nature of truth Om Namah Shivaya Shivaya